Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at MyBookie. Jump on that deal right now, guys. Just go to MyBookie.ag and you can still get our 50% bonus on your first deposit. Just simply use our promo code UGA and you will get hooked up. So again, MyBookie.ag, promo code UGA and get started today. But all right. I am your host, Tyler, and after a little bit of a misanthropic Monday with me just going through it when it comes to Georgia basketball and kind of just laying out all my frustrations, venting a little bit, I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to do that. I know that might not have been the best podcasting in the world, but sometimes you just got to get things off your chest. So that had to happen. It'd been building for a couple of weeks. It had to happen. But today I'm going to make up for it with a healthy dose of positivity as I preview the 2024 Georgia baseball season that is set to open play this weekend at home with a three-game set against UNC Asheville at Foley Field. And I am genuinely very excited about this season. And not because I have this strong sense of confidence that we're going to make it back to the College World Series for the first time since 2008, or even that we're going to make a run into a super regional, or that we'll finally win a regional again the first time since 2008, or heck, that we'll even host a regional or even make a regional. I don't know. That's kind of the exciting thing is I don't really know, but I'm cautiously optimistic because we have a new skipper in town and coach Wes Johnson coming over from LSU as their pitching coach. Did a fantastic job last year. One of the more respected pitching coaches in all of college baseball. Spent some time in the majors with the twins. Been around the college game for a long time. And I'm very excited to see what he can do with this program. I guess going back to basketball, I'm kind of at the point right now with Wes Johnson going into year one that I was with Mike White going into year one prior to last season. And since he has yet to actually coach a real game in Athens, I have not had a chance to grow jaded yet by him. So hopefully that never happens and I never get to that point. But right now, I am very excited, cautiously optimistic, because our baseball program has had more success than our basketball program historically, but not all that much. I mean, we've made what? We've made, I think, six College World Series in the history of our program. We had a nice little run there in the early 2000s under David Perno. We made the College World Series, I think, four times in eight seasons. And in 2008, like we were right there. I mean, I still can't believe we lost to Fresno State. Man, I still can't believe that went down the way it went in 2008 with Gordon Beckham and that great Georgia baseball team. So we had a nice little run there. But again, we have not made the College World Series. Haven't even made it out of a regional since 2008. We're talking 15 plus years now, guys. And in fact, we've only been to five regionals since 2008. It looked like there for a minute that Scott Strickland was really on the cusp of turning things around. The first 
three or four years in Athens. I mean, Strickland really didn't produce at a higher rate than David Perno did. But then you get into 2018, 2019, we host regionals. We were a national seed in both of those seasons, but we failed to advance in both those years, losing to Duke and losing to Florida State in each of those respective seasons. Now, in fairness to Perno, one thing that really did hurt him was COVID. Now, that hurt a lot of coaches, hurt a lot of teams, but especially hurt Perno because coming off those back-to-back national seeds, we might have had our best team yet under him in 2020. We were 14-4, and about to start SEC play, about to go play Florida, and we were a top-five team in the country. We had a legitimate shot, not just to host other regions. We were certainly going to host other regions. It was clearly looking that way. I know we hadn't gotten SEC play yet, but we had that caliber of a team, and maybe... Who knows, maybe we could have gotten out of that regional and gotten to a super regional. And who knows, maybe you win that super regional and you get back to the College World Series and maybe things are different for Scott Stricker. Maybe you can build off of that in recruiting, that momentum that builds within your program. But as we all know, it was not to be. And Strickland and our baseball program never really touched those heights again. You go come back from COVID the first full season back in 2021. We did not make a regional. We were 31 and 25 overall. Then 2022, yes, we did make it back to a regional, but we were not a national seed. We did not host a regional. We had to go play in Chapel Hill in 36 and 23 that year. So we were okay in 21 and 22. We were fine. We were fine. Just we didn't capitalize off those seasons in 2018 and 2019. And you get 2023 last year, which I don't want to say we bottomed out. That's not fair. It never got that bad. But 29 and 27, once again, left out of the postseason. So in 10 seasons in Athens, we made it to three postseasons under Scott Strickland. Drawing another parallel to Georgia basketball, that's very much akin to what our basketball program was under Mark Fox. Fox didn't quite make it 10 years. He made it a cool nine and had two tournaments in nine years. So very similar there, just like Mark Fox with basketball, Strickland elevated our program from where it was when he took over. At least we had some high points. We made it to the tournament, but he can never find that consistency. He can never find a way to consistently get into the tournament and blow the lid off this program, a program that I still believe is a sleeping giant. With all the talent we have in this state, the resources we have at our disposal, I know Foley Field is way behind the times and way behind the rest of the competition in the SEC. I fully understand that, guys. It's been a source of frustration for me for a long time. We're on our way to trying to rectify that to a degree it's never really going to catch up in size and scope to some of the other stadiums out there, the Mississippi States of the world, the old Mrs. LSUs of the world. It's not ever going to catch up to that, but we're trying to modernize it. So that's helping. But I believe that we have the potential to be a perennial, I don't know, powerhouse. I don't know if I'm going to go that far. I think we could be, but at the very least, we should be a perennial postseason team that should make a run to the College World Series every two to three years. And Strickland was knocking on the door there for a minute or two, but just couldn't sustain it. So it was time for him to go. It was time to, to try something new, to try some new leadership, to try to maximize what we have here at the University of Georgia and enter Wes Johnson. He is hopefully going to be that guy. But if he's going to engineer an immediate turnaround in year one, he's going to do it on the backs of a lot of new players, guys, as there's a ton of of roster turnover on this team. He brought in 17 transfers and 10 incoming freshmen. We got 45 guys on the roster right now. 27 of them, more than half of them, are brand new to this program. And you know what? I'm kind of okay with that. There were some players on this roster in the past couple years that were more or less dead weight. I know that sounds pretty harsh, but 
it's kind of the truth. Fortunately, however, the guys that did stick around, that he did keep on the roster from the past couple years, are some of the better players on the team. He was able to keep the majority of those guys on the team, headlined, of course, by second-team All-American Charlie Condon, who finished inside the top 10 nationally in home runs with 25 last year. He was number seven nationally with, with 25 home runs. And those 25 home runs set an SEC freshman record. Now, he was a redshirt freshman, so there's a caveat there, but a freshman nonetheless. And there was a minute there when Perno got fired and we had this changeover in leadership that I was keeping my fingers crossed. I'm like, oh my God, man, please do not transfer. Because this guy could have gone really wherever he wanted to, but he stuck around. And that's huge for us to have that piece, that building block to work with in year one under new head coach Wes Johnson. And there are a lot of other really nice pieces, some returning players that are really nice pieces, and some guys that we got from some pretty solid programs that have been very productive at the college level. And I'm going to go through all of these players. I'm going to take this position by position. I want to start, though, with the pitching staff, because more than anything last year, our pitching was the issue. It was just downright unacceptable, guys. We fell off the face of the earth. If you go back to those years 2018, 2019, 2020, the best years under Scott Strickland, we were driven by two things, our pitching and our defense. Our offense was just good enough. But last year, it was the inverse. Like Our offense was driving this team, and we were trying to win games in spite of just absolutely horrific pitching. Now, injuries certainly dealt us a blow there last year. That was part of the situation, but also the guys that we were counting on, guys like Jaden Woods, just weren't who we needed them to be. He was going. He was our opening day starter. He was the guy that showed some really nice stuff his first couple years on campus, and it just didn't work out for him last year. He just gave up way too many home runs. I mean, dear God, he would... Uh, good fastball, really good fastball, but didn't really have that second pitch to go along with it. And at this level, the college level guys, you just sit on that fastball. I don't care how hard you throw it, how good it is, they're going to destroy it. And that's exactly what happened. But if, if you don't remember, if you have a case of selective amnesia or if you weren't really dialed into Georgia baseball last year because we weren't very good, let me give you some numbers to back this up. Don't just take my word for it. We were 13th out of 14 teams in the SEC last year in Team ERA, 6.44. 6.44 ERA. Um, to give you a little frame of reference, Tennessee at number one, 3.63. South Carolina, 4.19. Bama, 4.26. Vandy, 4.27. Kentucky, 4.33. Georgia down there at 13, 6.44. Wow. Not great. Opposing batting average. Also, 13th out of 14 teams in the league. Teams hit a combined 271 against us last year. We walked 200 and 76 batters. Now, we got a little bit better with our control later in the season, but the first half or so of the season, it was a disaster. We were just getting guys on base and giving up jacks. We ended up 10th in the league in walks loud at 276, but still just simply not good enough. We blew so many leads, guys. Like I, I don't even want to have to relive it. It was just bad last year. Those of you who are in Georgia baseball and you keep track of these things, you know what I'm talking about. We tried to cover as much as we could last year on this show, and then it got to the point where it's like, oh, we just can't even talk about this anymore because this is just mind-numbing. And we weren't necessarily great offensively. We, we were improved from what we had been in previous years under Scott Strickland, but we still weren't great. We, we were we were a solid offensive team last year. We were, we were right there in the middle of pack and batting average in 283. It was number eight in the SEC, our slugging percentage. We, we had some power, obviously, with Charlie Condon. Parks Harbor has some pop in his back. Corey Collins did, did at times. So we had some guys. That, that could hit the ball. And uh, we were fifth in the league in slugging percentage. 
On base percentage, uh, not not as good. We did not hit for average last year. We didn't get as many guys on base. So, I mean, honestly, with Charlie Condon, far too many of those home runs he hit were just solo shots because we didn't have guys on base. So we, we weren't a dynamic offensive team last year, but we were better offensively than we, than we were from a pitching standpoint. So yes, pitching, in my humble opinion, was the biggest issue for this team last year. And you bring in Wes Johnson, who has a reputation as a maestro pitching coach, who spent a couple of seasons, actually three three years, I think, in the major leagues with the Twins as their pitching coach. Most recently was with LSU last year, who, yes, if you don't remember, won the national championship, and they had a dy- they were they were just awesome dynamic offense, but also the best pitcher in the country, and Paul Skeens, who Wes Johnson was given a lot of credit for developing his game once he got to LSU. So I'm very hopeful that we will see improved pitching this year. Now, I understand that we probably right now don't have those elite arms. Like, we don't have a Paul Skeens on this roster right now. We don't have an Emerson Hancock from years past here at Georgia, a Robert Tyler, guys like that. We don't have those guys right now on the roster. At least we haven't seen them emerge. Maybe one of those guys emerges this year. Maybe. I'm hopeful. Maybe under Wes Johnson, he can turn one of those guys into one of those dominant frontline pitchers. But I'm very hopeful he can help them master the stuff that they do have. And I don't know, maybe not walk as many people, enhance their control, help them further develop their secondary pitches, all of those things that our guys just struggled with last year. But when you're looking at this staff, we might not have a true frontline guy, at least a guy that has been a frontline starter in the SEC. But it looks like right now to open the season that Charlie Goldstein is going to be that Friday night starter. To open last season, Goldstein was one of those guys that was trying to work himself into the rotation. Like he was on the radar. He was a guy that was in competition for that spot, for one of those spots, but uh, didn't really break through until about halfway through the season. He ended up with 10 starts on the year. And he was solid. Wasn't great. He was not great last year. He was solid for us. Down the stretch, he was probably our most consistent guy, along with Liam Sullivan. But he ended up with a with a 5.03 ERA, which I know doesn't sound great. But when you compare that to the other guys that were starting games for us, that was about as good as it got, especially as the season wore on. And we had a couple of young pitchers, freshmen last year, that I think showed signs of having some really good stuff that they just really needed to polish and sharpen, but you saw this. They have good arms, and you could tell with the right coaching that they could develop into really, really good pitchers in the SEC. And it looks like one of those guys, from my understanding, Leighton Finley, is in line right now to get the first crack at starting. Probably on, he'll probably be our Saturday starter if I had a guess right now. That's obviously still in flux. None of that's been announced, but that's kind of what I'm hearing right now. The other guy that I really liked last year at times was Colton Smith. He actually is the one that started eight games last year. Now, his ERA, 5-2-6. That was kind of about in line with everyone else. Finley only started one game. He worked primarily out of the pen. He had 21 appearances. And yeah, he gave up he gave up too many runs, right? I mean, he walked too many batters. All that's true. Just about everybody on our team. He had an ERA that was a little over six. But he showed the power pitching ability. He can be a power pitcher for us. He had 31 punch outs on the year last year, but did give up six home runs in 27 innings pitch. A big part of that was, okay, you got the fastball. What else do you have to keep hitters honest? And I think that's something that he needed to work on. And with Wes Johnson, again, I'm hopeful that he can help add to his repertoire of pitches to make him a more effective pitcher, something to complement that fastball that he's got. So I like him. I think he's going to certainly be in the conversation. I mean, I think he'll, he'll start a game this weekend. We'll see how he does. And then for that third weekend starting spot, the guy that I've heard the most buzz about over the past couple of weeks and months 
is a transfer that we got from George Mason. Now, you might be thinking, George Mason, like we're taking guys from George Mason. Now, guys, college baseball is different, okay? You can have these smaller schools that can have really, really good baseball programs. In fact, George Mason made it to a regional final last year where they lost to Wake Forest, who actually ended up going to the College World Series and almost got into the College World Series final. They lost to LSU in the College World Series, I guess, semifinals. I know it's a, the bracket's a little bit different, but essentially the College World Series semifinals. And this guy's name is Christian, and I'm going to butcher this last name. I've heard a couple, people, a couple people pronounce it. I've heard it pronounced different ways, but I'm going to go with Mrakna right now. It's M-R-A-C-N-A. So Mrakna, we're going to go with that, Christian Mrakna, and talk about a power pitcher. This is a big dude, 6'5", 220, throws in the mid-90s, can touch the high 90s at times, although allegedly he doesn't do that consistently. Wes Johnson has been raving about this guy. He's made it very clear that they like him a lot, and I... And pretty confident he is going to get a crack at starting a game this weekend. So right now, if I had to project the opening weekend rotation, I'm going to say Charlie Goldstein on Friday night. I'll probably go with Leighton Finley on Saturday. And then I'm going to go with Mrakna on Sunday. Now, that's certainly just a projection. There's a lot of guys that have opportunities. There's been some competition there. But right now, what I'm hearing heading into opening day, opening weekend, that's probably going to be the, the opening weekend rotation. And going back to Mrakna here real quick, he's an interesting guy because at George Mason, he was more or less their closer. Like he, was the, he was the guy that came out of the pen. He was not a starter for them. He was 4-1 and one last year, ERA of 309, and even more impressively, hitters only hit 186 against him last year. I personally have never seen the guy pitch, so I can't give you a first-hand account of, of how he pitches. I can just tell you what I've what I've researched and what I've found out about this guy once I started to hear some buzz about him. So I'm excited to see what he has. Goldstein and Finley, I have seen plenty of, and I think they have the stuff to be really solid pitchers. I don't know if either one is ready to be a frontline elite guy for us, but I think they can be more than serviceable and be better than what we had last year. But if it doesn't work out for the three guys that are going to get the starts this weekend, we have plenty of other options. We brought in a couple more transfers. We brought in this guy from College of Charleston. I'm going to butcher his last name too. Daniel Padsiak, we're going to go with. We got a guy from Southern New Hampshire, which I believe is D2, Josh Roberge. And then Georgia Southern, we got a guy from there. His name is Zach Harris, who have all had solid falls and have positioned themselves to get an opportunity if any of those top three guys to open the season end up not being able to, to hold down their spot. I mentioned Colton Smith earlier. He's another guy that got, again, eight starts last year that could certainly be an option at some point if we can't find answers early in the season. I mean, I, I like him a lot. I thought he did some good things for us last year. No, he wasn't perfect. 5-2-6 ERA. Uh, only had 22 strikeouts in 25 innings, which is solid. That's fine. It's not terrible, but I think he's got the ability to be more of a, of a power pitcher. And one of those guys, whether it's going to be Colton Smith, whether it's going to be Harris, Podsiak, Robers, one of those guys and maybe multiple guys, are going to be our midweek stars. Like, we have to have a midweek starter, and it might be um, a, a by-committee kind of thing, which it pretty much was for us last. It'd be really nice if we could settle on a guy to open games, even if we only think we can get, like, four or five innings out of him. So there will be an opportunity for a fourth starter. It was a revolving door for the midweek starter last year. I mean, it was just somebody different seemingly almost every single week out. We just had no answer there. But I think we have more options this year, and I really like what Wes Johnson has done going on the transfer portal and bringing in a number of arms that have had success and have been productive at the college level to at least stabilize our pitching staff. I do not think this is going to be a dominant starting pitching staff, but I think it's going to be much more stable than what it was last year. And if we can just get stability this year, 
I mean, we're going to have a shot to at least make a regional. Because last year, I mean, our offense was good enough for us to make a regional if we would have just been halfway decent pitching. But we just were terrible, downright terrible. So that's what our starting staff kind of projects look like right now. Uh, the pin. I'm really excited about the bullpen right now. We went out, again, got some guys from the transfer portal, brought them in to further stabilize our bullpen. Our bullpen has been a, a mess for a while, guys. We've had a few nice pieces here and there. I thought Chandler March two years ago did a really good job for us. He seemed to regress last year. He wasn't the same pitcher, although I'm hopeful that he can kind of return to form some this year. Whoever doesn't win a starting job out of the guys I mentioned earlier that were in competition for one, Harris, Podsiak, Robarge, Colt Smith, they're going to be great options out of the pen. But there are a couple guys in particular that I have heard a lot of really good things about. Brant Panser is one of them who has transferred in from Stanford. And if you guys aren't familiar with the Stanford baseball program, they've been pretty damn good of late. They've made three straight College World Series Panzer was a good option for them out of the pen last year. I didn't watch a ton of Stanford, but I watched them once they got into the uh, the College World Series. Obviously, I think I watched one of their games in the Super Regional as well. And I saw him throw a couple innings, and I liked what I saw. I mean, he was three and one last year, four eighteen ERA, four saves. And, you know, that might not sound like much to you, but considering what we had to work with out of the pen last year. That is a drastic improvement. That is a serious improvement. Another guy that allegedly has been very good in the lead up to the season is Brian Zeldin. He's a transfer from Penn. Zeldin was 2-1 with a 3-7-4 ERA last year, and that was for a Penn team that was pretty good. They made it to a regional. They played in the Auburn Regional last year. So we have some veterans that have been very productive on some very good baseball teams. And then we brought in some really good-looking freshmen that will probably also add depth to the pin. Got a guy named Ethan Sutton out of Alatoona, James Hayes out of the Westfield School, Wyatt Land out of North Oconee, not too far from where I am here in the Classic City. A guy named Luke Wiltrakis from St. Pius, Riker Chavis from Houston County, and then we brought in a couple more transfers. A guy from Emory who's kind of like a two-way player, but he could certainly work out of the pins. A guy by the name of Tyler McLaughlin. And I mean, Emory's a different level of baseball, obviously, but he had a 1.8 ERA with six saves last year. And then a guy from Campbell is actually a really good baseball program. My dad actually went to Campbell University back in the day. Uh, his name is Ryan Gold, who was good for the Camels last year. So if you put all this together about our pitching this year, what I will tell you is that I don't really expect us to be one of the best pitching teams in the SEC, but I do expect us to be much better than we were a year ago at or near the very bottom of the SEC in most major pitching categories. And if we can just do that, if we can just get to kind of middle of the pack in the SEC when it comes to pitching, that'll give us a chance to win a lot of games and maybe actually make a run to some sort of postseason play, which would be a massive success in year one under Wes Johnson. And when we get back from the first break, I'm going to dive into the position players. We'll go into a lot of detail there. But first, I do want to remind you again about our great friends at my bookie. Yes, football season is over. It sucks. It's terrible. We all love football, but it doesn't mean that the sports calendar is dead. There's plenty of action for you to get in on right now. This is the time of year where college basketball takes the forefront in the sports calendar. The NBA, we got the All-Star Game coming up this week and all the All-Star festivities. Of course, you got the slam dunk contest, the skills contest, three-point contest, everything they do every single All-Star weekend. You've got the NHL going strong. Major League Baseball will start up here in about a month and a half or so. 
So the moral of the story is there is no shortage of things for you to bet on, and there's no better place to bet on those things at than my bookie. So make sure to go there today, guys. It's such a simple process. They make it easy for you. Just go to mybookie.ag, and when you do, use our promo code as you sign up for a brand new account, and they're going to give you a 50% bonus on whatever it is that you deposit with that first deposit, and you basically have free money to play with, more money to add to your bankroll, and it's a no-brainer, guys. My bookie is the place to bet. So sign up today at mybookie.ag. Use that promo code UGA and bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with mybookie. All right, guys, we covered the pitching in detail. Now let's get to the rest of the team. I'm going to break this down by infielders and outfielders, okay? And I'm going to start on the infield. This is going to be very difficult to project because there's a really strong chance that we will not have any returning players from last year's team that are starting on the infield this year. I guess the only exception for that might be the catcher. It might be Fernando Gonzalez if you consider catcher infield. Do we consider the catcher the infield? I don't know. I, I, I'll go with it. It's certainly not outfield. So yeah, we'll go infield unless you want to call the catcher its, its own thing. But he might be the only one. And by the end of the season, I mean, Fernando is a fantastic defensive catcher. He's not great at the plate. He was a little bit better last year for us, but still not much of a threat at the plate. I mean, he hit, what, last year, 232, six home runs, 18 RBIs. So not much there from an offensive standpoint, but he does make up for that with the runs this guy saves as a defensive catcher. Now, for him, one of the issues might end up being there are a couple of guys that we brought in as transfers at the catcher position that they might not be quite the defensive catcher that Nando is, but man, they can hit the baseball. So this guy we got from Campbell, another transfer from Campbell, Logan Jordan hit 301 with 12 homers and 52 RBIs for the Camels last year. So Wes Johnson's going to have to weigh this. What is more valuable for our team? Is it the runs that Fernando Gonzalez saves as a defensive catcher? or the runs that Logan Jordan can drive in with his bat. Now, he's got to do that at the SEC level. But again, Campbell's a good baseball program. I mean, they play a tough non-conference slate because in conference, they, they don't really have a ton of competition there. But they play some legit teams. They've made runs like, into the postseason, regional, super regionals, the whole nine yards. There's no guarantee, though, that he's going to be, be able to hit like that in the SEC. But if he can, if he can come anywhere close to matching those numbers, you got a little bit of an issue on your hands here. That, that's a tough choice for Wes Johnson to make. Now, if he's a pitching coach, which he was for a long time, you might think he'd be more apt to side with a defensive catcher because that's the pitcher's best friend, right? So I expect Fernando to be the guy to get the opening day start, but it would not surprise me to see Logan Jordan get a lot of run early in the season to see what he can do back there. And when you lose a guy like Connor Tate, yes, we have Charlie Condon coming back and that's amazing, but Connor Tate was just a stud for us at the plate the past two years. I mean, he hit 377 last year, 16 home runs, 54 RBIs, and you lose Parks Harbor as well, who hit 18 homers. He was second on team in homers last year, second on team in RBIs behind Condon with 56. When you lose both of those guys, you're losing some pop in your lineup. I do think we're going to take a step forward as a pitching staff, but we need to find a way to replace some of that offensive production, especially the power production from Tate and Harbor. And Logan Jordan is a guy on this roster that can certainly help fill that void. So he's a name to watch. And then we have Corey Collins back as well. He was a catcher in a DH his first year, his first couple years, actually. Now, last year, 
He played a little bit of outfield and tried to expand his his positional range, we'll call it, because Fernando Gonzalez, again, was such a good defensive catcher, and Collins is fine back there, but that's that's not the value he brings. It's not his defensive prowess as a catcher. It's his power. Now, Collins is a guy that can hit some freaking moonshots, okay? When he gets a hold of one, the dude can drive it out of the park, but I mean, his power numbers were down last year, guys. Only had six home runs, only 20 RBIs. He is capable of far more than that. In fact, if you go back and look at his his freshman and sophomore years, he hit 19 home runs in those two years combined. Only six last year. Now, the biggest issue for Corey Collins is the man strikes out far too much. Now, he didn't lead the team in strikeouts last year because his plate appearances went way down. He only had 105 plate appearances last year. But his first two years on campus, he led the team in strikeouts both years because the guy just swings at everything. And he also, it drives me insane. He swings at everything except the first pitch. He will almost always invariably take the first pitch, no matter if it's just batting practice right down the middle of the plate. He's going to take the first pitch and he's going to get behind the count. And he got behind the count far too much. And then when he gets behind the count, he's just swinging at everything. But he's another guy that does have some power ability. It it didn't really translate for him last year. He did not have a year that built off his freshman and sophomore years. But he's got the ability. I've seen the guy hit some moonshots, man. He's got some power. So a catcher, we have some really nice depth. We have some different kind of players with, with Gonzalez being more of that defensive guy with some offensive liabilities and deficiencies there. And Logan Jordan, I, I really don't know how good Logan Jordan is behind the plate defensively because I haven't really seen the guy play. I'll be honest with you, I haven't really seen him play. But the power numbers are there and he's a guy that I think you're going to have to play some. You're going to have to play some to see what he can do defensively because we're going to have to replace some of those power hitters that we had last year. I think he's a guy that can certainly help us there. All right, let's let's uh, let's keep going with the infield here. And again, I will reiterate this. I am like throwing darts to the board right now because we have a ton of newcomers on this team. We get 27, 27 total newcomers out of 45 guys, 17 transfers, 10 incoming freshmen, a lot of new faces. And a lot of the guys that were playing the infield for us last year are no longer on this team. So let's just go around the infield. Let's start at first base and make our way around. This one is going to be interesting. I don't think we have a surefire answer right now. I'm not saying that we don't have guys that can play. I just don't know if we are convinced that one guy is the guy right now. There are a number of options. I probably expect to see a platoon system at first base through the first weekend or two to see if somebody emerges. Charlie Condon had play, has played a lot of first base in his career. Now, what he wants to do this year is play more outfield, which will help him help his marketability when it comes for the Major League Draft here after this season. But I do imagine he will play some first base. Corey Collins has played catcher, also played some first base, also DH force a lot. He could factor in there as well. But the guy that I think will probably get the opening day start is a transfer from Western Kentucky, a guy by the name of Lucas Ferris. Hit 291, 13 homers, 43 RBIs for Western Kentucky last year. If it's not Condon, I don't think it will. I think Condon will start somewhere in the outfield. We'll get to him in a little bit here. I think the safest bet to start opening day on Friday is Lucas Ferris. He's the guy that's got the most production and the most experience out of all of those guys. There's another transfer that's in the mix. A guy named Henry Hunter from UAB, but his resume is not nearly as strong as Ferris's is. Hunter hit 166, three home runs at UAB last year. Didn't really play a ton for them, apparently, but I did hear some really good things about him coming out of the fall. So 
maybe he's an option. Maybe he's raised his game there. He at least plays that position. Now, one other name to watch at first base is a freshman. All right, so the other guys I mentioned so far with Ferris and Hunter, those are transfers. Trey Phelps is apparently a big-time prospect. Now, he played primarily third base in high school, based on my understanding, but he was considered one of the top players in the entire state of Georgia coming out of high school this past year. Looking him up here, Perfect Game had him the number two overall player in the state of Georgia coming out of high school. So this is a big time prospect. And I don't know if he's going to be ready to start right away, but I do think he's going to get some opportunities. I think Ferris will be the guy to open the season. But if Ferris gets off to a little bit of a slow start and Phelps comes along, he could be an option to take over that job more and more as the season progresses. Right now, I just I would side with a guy who has more experience, who has produced more at the college level. So I think it's going to be Ferris. I think Hunter will factor in there maybe to some degree, get a, get a look, a couple innings here and there over the weekend. But Phelps is another name to watch. And again, Condon and Corey Collins could also see some time at first base. And then moving along on the infield, let's go to second base. Now, this is the one spot on the infield where we actually do have a guy that played a lot for us last year, returning back to the team. Sebastian Murillo started most of the season for us at second base last year. He's back. Josh Stinson is also back. He played a little bit of second base for us. He's been more of like a reserve player, a guy coming off the bench, but he's been around for a while. Both those guys are back. However, I'm not sure either one of them is going to be the guy at second base for us this year. Got a couple more transfers. The guy right now that I would probably pencil in as the guy that's going to start opening day on Friday is a guy from Purdue. His name is Paul Totes. He hit 335, 10 homers, 53 RBIs in the Big Ten last year for the Boilermakers. And yeah, again, with all of the power that we lost from last year's lineup with Tate and Harbor moving on, we need some pop in the lineup somewhere else. We've got to find guys that can give us some pop up and down the lineup, and Totes can do that. Marillo was fine for us last year. Like he, he wasn't spectacular, wasn't terrible, was was solid for us. I mean, he let's see, he had 169 at bats last year, hit 266, six homers, 23 RBIs, solid ish year. But we're talking about a guy coming over from Purdue who hit 335, 10 homers, and 53 RBIs. I mean. If he can play a halfway decent second base, I think he's got to be the guy to open the season for you. That'd be my projection right now. But like first base, there's also a true freshman in the mix that really could factor in more and more potentially as the season wears on. It's a guy by the name of Trey King who had a really good year last year at McIntosh. That's where he played as a senior. He hit 517. Now, okay, high school baseball is a little different. The top high school baseball players are going to hit for a very high average more often than not. But 517, that's still doing something, man. That's still very, very impressive. So it certainly would not surprise me to see him get some playing time at the very least this weekend. Maybe even, who knows, start a game? I don't know. We'll see. But like first base, like catcher, we have a number of options. We have a lot of really good depth there that can uh, hopefully yield at least one or two guys that can emerge and be big-time players for us there at second base. Now, shortstop, this is a guy that I am very, very excited about. I will be honest with you. Like a lot of these guys, I have never seen this next guy play. But the buzz coming out of the baseball program about Colby Branch sounds legit. Like It sounds very, very legitimate. Everyone to a person seems excited about this guy. And if you've paid attention to any of the things that Wes Johnson has said, he is raving about Colby Branch. Now, this is a guy that we got as a transfer from Baylor. Yet another transfer. Yet another transfer from a Power 5 program. 
And this is not a case of a guy that just didn't really play a lot at Baylor in his first year, so he wanted to transfer and find some more playing time. No, that's not what's happening here. This guy was a freshman All-American last year. In fact, he was the Triple Crown winner for Baylor last year. He led the team in batting average, home runs, and RBIs. Now, Baylor was apparently terrible offensively last year because he hit 325, which is awesome for a freshman, but he only had six home runs, 41 RBIs. So when that is leading your team, six home runs, 41 RBIs, you're probably not very good offensively. But hey, still, freshman All-American. And on top of that, he also led the team in hits and runs. He was also awesome in the field, a 967 fielding percentage, started 55 games for the Bears last year. He stole 10 bases, but according to Wes Johnson, he thinks he's capable of far more on the base pass. Like he, he believes this guy has got great speed. He's a natural base stealer. So people around the team, including the head coach, seem to be very, very, very high on this guy. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what this guy, Kobe Branch, can do for us at shortstop. And then finally, at third base, like shortstop, I think we have a pretty clear outlook at who's going to start for us this season. It looks like it's going to be another transfer, this guy from Mississippi State, a dude by the name of Slate Alford. Now, Mississippi State has had a really good run in years past. Last year, they were terrible, though. And offensively, Alford wasn't especially great himself. He hit 248, nine homers, 36 RBIs. So power numbers were fine. The average, that's not great. But again, our coaching staff seems to be pretty high on this guy. It's one of those things where maybe just getting a, a fresh start at a new school, new coaching staff, new teammates, a fresh approach, maybe that's what he needs. But I do believe that he's going to open the season for us at third base, but apparently he can also play multiple infield positions. He can play second, he can play a little short if we need to. I think we're fine at those other positions, but if called into duty, he could play those other spots as well. But I think he's going to be our primary third baseman. And apparently he has a really big bat. I would love to see the average go up a little bit. I would love to see him hit around 275 at least. And if he can have some power numbers, hit his, you know, double-digit home runs, 10-plus home runs, hit about 275, gives about 40 to 50 RBIs, then, hey, I'll take that. But we need him to take a step forward from what he was producing for Mississippi State last year. So that's the infield. And as you guys can tell, I'm excited. I, I don't know most of these players. Yeah, I know Corey Collins. I know Fernando Gonzalez. I, I know Charlie Condon. But I don't know how much of the actual infield those guys are going to be playing. There's a very real chance on opening day on Friday that we have an entirely brand new infield with the exception of Fernando Gonzalez, a catcher, if, again, you consider catcher part of the infield. Maybe it's his own thing. But I am very excited to see what these guys can do. And when we get back from this final break, we'll flip it over to the last group of positions. We're going to look at the outfield. But first, I do remind you about our wonderful friends at Alumni Hall. Speaking of baseball season, Alumni Hall has the best selection of all Georgia gear, no doubt, always, but they have the best selection of Georgia baseball gear that you're going to find anywhere. They have stuff that I just don't think you're going to find anywhere else. In fact, I know you're not going to find anywhere else. So if you're planning to make it out to Foley Field to support the Diamond Dogs this weekend or at any point during this baseball season, make sure to stop by Alumni Hall first to pick up the latest Georgia baseball gear so you can go represent the Diamond Dogs in style inside Foley Field. If you're in the Athens area, if you're coming up for a baseball game or coming through town for a baseball game, you can just stop by inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center right off 316 here in the Classic City. Or if you're not local, all good. You can shop online at alumnihall.com. You get the same great Georgia baseball gear that you can find in stores. So make sure to stop by today online or in person because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. 
All right, guys, let's wrap this thing up with a look at our outfield. And I'm going to start with center field because this seems like the most obvious answer right now. Dylan Carter, from everything that I have heard, is going to be our starting center fielder. And get this, he's another transfer. Carter is coming over from Texas Tech, and that's a team that's had a lot of success in recent years. I think they've made the postseason three consecutive years. Don't quote me on that. I think that's correct. And Carter is almost certainly going to open the season for us as our primary center fielder. And apparently, he's just a dynamite fielder. Like, he's just a stud out there in center field chasing balls down. So it seems like defensively, he is going to be a stud for us. Again, I have not seen this guy. He's another one of those guys. I haven't seen him. They're all new, right? So I haven't seen these guys, but I can just tell you what I've heard, what I've researched, and he seems like he is an ace out there as a fielder in center field. Now, at the plate, maybe a little bit of a different story. Now, he was fine last year. He hit 264 last year for Texas Tech. As a freshman, 199, not not good enough, not okay. But if he can get up to 264 and he can do that again for us this year, that's right about where Ben Anderson was for us last year. I mean, Anderson had a little bit of pop in his bat, and I don't know that Carter's got that. But he's going to hit leadoff for us, and he's going to play center field, and I'm excited to see what this guy can do. And then the other two spots, left field and right field, I really don't know. There are a lot of options. I imagine there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching early in the season, these first couple series, to see who kind of emerges. Charlie Condon is absolutely going to play one of those positions. Yes, we mentioned he can play first base, and he'll probably play some first base for us, but he wants to play more outfield. He wants to improve his positional versatility to help him when it comes to draft time. He could play left. He could play right. Honestly, I don't know where he's going to open the season. I feel confident saying he's going to open the season at one of those outfield spots. I just don't know exactly which one it's going to be. Condon is going to be in the lineup because he's the best hitter on the team, one of the best hitters in the country. He is truly, legitimately a Golden Spikes contender. And for those of you who don't follow college baseball as closely as I do, or maybe some other people out there, it's all good. The Golden Spikes Award is basically the college baseball equivalent of the Heisman Trophy. It goes to the best baseball player in the country. He is clearly going to be a contender for that award this year. Will he win it? I mean, I don't know. I guess the odds are probably not, but he's going to be in the mix. So he's got to be in your lineup and you don't want to DH him because that's doing this guy a disservice. He has very high Major League Baseball aspirations. So you want to do this guy a solid and let him play the outfield. And honestly, to be frank with you, that was probably part of the discussion to get him to come back this year is that, hey, we're not going to DH you. We'll let you play the field. We'll play you some at first base. We'll let you play some outfield. So I, I know for a fact he's going to be out there at one of those spots to open the season. He'll be out there most of the time. I just don't know if it's going to be left field or right field. So that leaves us one spot. If Dylan Carter is going to start at center and you're going to have Condon at one of the two other positions, left or right, we got one more spot. And we've got a number of candidates for that other spot. We've got another transfer, this guy from Sam Houston State. His name is Clayton Chadwick. He played a lot for Sam Houston State last year. And I know you're like, Sam Houston State? Guys, I mean, that, it was a good baseball team last year. They were the WAC champion. He had 294, 10 homers, 49 RBIs. He hit 332 the year before that. This is a guy that's a weapon offensively. Another guy to watch out for, he's definitely going to be in the mix. And I'm really intrigued by this guy. And no, he is not Charlie Goldstein's brother, but his last name is the same, Dylan Goldstein. Now, he's a transfer from Florida Atlantic. He dealt with a little bit of an injury last year. I think it was a hamstring injury that kind of limited him last year. He hit 297 with 13 home runs, 62 RBIs, even with the injury. But the previous year, in 2022, this guy hit 333, 18 home runs, 63 RBIs. This guy, talk about pop. That man's got serious pop in his bat. He's not a big dude. I mean, he's 
not small. He's six foot two ten, but he's not as big as like Charlie Condon and Corey Collins, some of these other guys that we've got in our lineup. So it seems like those are going to be our top four guys in the outfield. Again, I think that Dylan Carr is going to start in center field, Charlie Condon at one of those spots, and then it's probably going to be either Goldstein or Chadwick to open the season at the other outfield spot. Now, there'll be some rotating. Sure, there's going to be some platooning, of course, especially early in the season, but it'll be some combination of those four guys would be my guest to open the season. We have a couple other guys. Uh, Logan Jordan, who I mentioned earlier, can also play some outfield. Lucas Ferris, who I think is probably going to open the season for us at first base, can also play some outfield if needed. So there are some options, but a lot like the infield, there's going to be a ton of new faces. Guys, we're talking about almost a complete makeover with the exception of like Fernando Gonzalez and Charlie Condon. We very well could be looking at six brand new starters at the other positions. And to be quite honest with you, I don't fully know what to expect. But that's a big part of what makes this exciting. It's the possibility of greener pastures, of a better season. If we would have kept the exact same roster as we had last year, it's like, okay, maybe Wes Johnson can improve them a little bit, but still largely the same guys. There were some deficiencies on the team. But we went out and we brought in a ton of guys. A lot of guys that have been very productive at some really good baseball schools. Now, the challenge for Johnson is going to be figuring out how all the pieces fit together from a a pitching rotation standpoint and a positional standpoint. But that's what the early part of the season is for. And we scheduled in a way to allow us the opportunity to kind of work through some kinks early in the season and figure out, okay, who are our best players? Who's emerged? Who are going to be our guys? Who are we going to ride with? So we open with UNC Asheville this weekend. Then we got Georgia State in the midweek. Then we come back home. We got Northern Kentucky next weekend. So we got these first two weeks or so to figure those things out. And then we got the weekend series of Georgia Tech that first weekend of March. So hopefully by that point, I know that's still early in the season, but hopefully by that point, things are more settled from a positional and a pitching standpoint. But I'm excited, guys. I need something to root for this time of year. I'm still obviously pulling from Georgia basketball, but as I laid out yesterday, I mean, our our postseason hopes are dead. And look, we might not make it to the postseason in baseball this year, but hey, you know what? There's a chance. Right now, you can't tell me that we won't because no one knows. So I'm excited about it. Just like Georgia basketball, I've been waiting for Georgia baseball to get good for a long time. And again, a couple years ago, 2018, 2019, 2020, it looked like we were on the cusp of doing that, but we never quite cashed in on those really good seasons and never made it out of a regional. So yeah, like a lot of you, I've been waiting on this for a long time. I've been waiting to get good. Now we're not there yet. I I hope we'll get there very soon. I'm hopeful. I don't know, but just like the NCAA basketball tournament, I'm so tired of sitting down and being so excited about the NCAA tournament and just not ever being able to watch us. I'm tired of not being able to watch us play in the College World Series. I'm tired of us not really being a consistent factor in even a regional or super regional. College baseball, the postseason's fun, guys. In the summer, when there's not much else going on in the sports calendar. When you watch the college baseball playoffs, you get the regional, super regional, you get the College World Series. Man, that's crazy fun. I want to be a part of that. Every year when I'm sitting there watching the College World Series, I'll admit it. I'm man enough to admit it. I'm jealous of all of those fans who get to go to Omaha and watch their teams play. I want to do it one time, guys. Yeah, I know we went there in 20, in 2008. I was fresh out of college. Financially, wasn't able to make that happen. But now I'm in a position where if we do make it to a College World Series again, I'm going. It's happening. And I just want to be able to. I want to have the opportunity to go there and engage in the Jello Shot Challenge. I want to do those things. I want to have fun. I don't want the summer to drag on. So yes, I am desperate 
for a winner. Georgia should be good at baseball, just like Georgia should be good at basketball. There's no reason that we can't. And I'm very excited about Wes Johnson. I'm very hopeful that he can be the guy that can get us on the right track and help us develop in the program that we absolutely should be. But I guess that's it. That's all I have for you today with this Georgia baseball preview. Keep coming back all season, guys. We're going to have some Georgia baseball coverage. I can't promise you it'll be on a week-by-week basis unless you want that. If you want that, let me know. It's kind of like with, with the basketball coverage. I always want to talk Georgia basketball. I love Georgia baseball. I want to talk Georgia baseball. I love Georgia tennis. I want to talk Georgia tennis, which, by the way, shout out to the Georgia women's tennis team. Two top 10 wins in the national indoors this weekend, taking out Florida and Texas A&M, who are our two top contenders in the SEC. We won the SEC last year, and they're the two top contenders to take that crown from us, and we showed them once again who still runs this conference. So a great weekend, really successful weekend for the team, and new head coach Drake Bernstein, who's doing a great job, and is going to do a fantastic job with that program in the long term. But I love talking Georgia tennis. I like talking all Georgia sports, but... As I often tell you, I try to produce content that you guys want. I try to give you what you want. And I know football drives the ship here. Most of you want college football talk. And that's why we never go away from college football. And college football is always number one for me. It's always first and foremost in my mind. So I'll always have your football fix for you. But if you want more like Georgia baseball coverage, you just got to let me know. Hit us up on Twitter. That's at Glory underscore UGA. You can email us, GloryUGAPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram. You can also just listen to the episodes. The numbers tell the story, really. If people are listening, I'll keep producing that content. Otherwise, I don't really want to waste my time. As much as I love talking Georgia basketball and Georgia baseball and Georgia tennis, if no one else cares, no one else is listening, then... You know, I got a lot of things going on. I don't want to waste my time. So listen, let me know if you want it, and we'll we'll make that happen for you guys. So keep on coming back for more all season long. And I know that we have been short on our football talk this week. On the first episode of the week, we did kind of recap and break down the transfer of Benjamin Urosik from Stanford, the new tight end. Very excited about him. But our final show this week is going to be a mailbag episode. We've got a lot of questions, and we'll have a lot of football talk on that episode. So come on back later this week, guys. Get that football fix. If you have questions, let us know. Hit us up on social media. Again, Twitter, at Glory underscore UJ. You can hit us up on Instagram. Also, email us, podcast at gmail.com. But that's it, guys. I'm out of here. Appreciate you. Thanks for being here. I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>